Building the Smart Grid, Algorithms of Entrepreneurship. Interview with Christina Cochero, Episode 59. Welcome to the My Energy 2050 podcast, where we speak to the people building a clean energy system by 2050. I'm your host, Michael LaBelle. This week, we speak with Professor Christina Cochero, who is the Sarah Hunter Professor at the Universitat Politecnia de Catalunya. She is the founder and chief technology officer at Bamboo Energy. We begin our discussion about her experience taking research and placing it within a startup company. Christina is a great example of a reluctant but dedicated entrepreneur. Her company, Bamboo Energy, is a key component of making the smart energy system work. It is a software platform that communicates with devices in the home or factories and interfaces with the grid to ensure things like the time of day pricing can be accomplished to save users money and help balance the grid. So it's talking to refrigerators, talking to appliances in the home, or maybe big machines and factories, and then communicates that with the grid and understands how to either, for example, heat up a home before the peak period or cool down a home, for example, air conditioning in the summer before the peak in the demand for electricity begins. Her software interfaces with the electrical system and with the consumer side. Hopefully over the long term, a much more efficient energy system can be built. Christina's story is special because she is originally a statistician who found love in the energy sector. Okay, made that love bit up, but still, she found what was the ability to use statistics in the energy sector to solve problems. She's taken her research and brought it out from an academic environment and is now working to scale it up in a commercial environment. We go into detail of why and how she decided to make this change. It's a really interesting discussion. This is a double episode in one because you get to learn how the smart grid works, why energy communities are essential for sustainable energy systems to develop. I was really surprised actually to hear some of the information here. And you'll hear an entrepreneurial story of Christina and her bold move to transfer her research to the real world. If you are interested to know what it is taking to make a smart energy system work, then this episode delivers because it's going to take a lot of innovation and entrepreneurs to bring new technologies into the energy sector. As we discussed in the last episode last week with Gerard Reed, there are lots of technologies out there that can make a huge difference. Just some of the obstacles to deployment are there, including big companies, and they need to get out of the way and let the innovators act. For me, this episode is special. People like Christina are the people creating a better energy system for us. I want to thank our mutual friend Bartok Kowalski, who was a guest in episode 45. I think I pronounced his name almost right in that episode. For both episodes, we talk about virtual power plants, which serve to balance supply and demand. And in both these episodes, you'll hear firsthand the benefits of decentralized and cooperative energy systems. Overall, after speaking with Christina, I'm more optimistic than we that we do have the right people and technologies to go zero carbon but we do need to unleash the pent-up innovation that is ready to go. The intent of the My Energy 2050 podcast is to spread the knowledge about how the energy system can assist our transition towards a greener future. And now for this week's episode.
Today, we have Professor Cristina Corchero, who is the Sarah Hunter Professor at the Universitat Palatinsia de Catalunya. She is the founder and chief technology officer at Bamboo Energy and also the head of the research group of Energy Systems Analytics. Cristina, welcome to the My Energy 2050 podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks. I First, we have to thank our mutual friend Bartuk for putting us in touch. So... He was he was a mutual he's a mutual friend of ours and he was also on the podcast before. So Oh nice. Yeah. He's so nice. Yeah. And it was a great opportunity to be there today. Yeah, no, it's great. But the reason I, I wanted to, to talk to you though is that uh, really discuss your experience in entrepreneurship. So I'm really interested to talk about um, bamboo energy, but also understand better the software interface, looking at your research and also your work. Uh, I would say uh, uh, business work. It's really this this interface between the distribution grid and consumers, and you really go into the data and you also develop the interface and have to deal with hardware issues. So I'm I'm very interested to talk about these issues today. But the first question I have is, how did you get involved in energy research? Whoa, long time ago. Uh, in fact, my background is statistics, so I'm a statistician. And uh, when I started my uh, my master thesis, I uh, worked with a professor that was involved in all regarding energy markets. He deals with uh, bidding and uh, in in that time thermal units, hydro units, and uh, how they should work at the energy markets. And I start there, and uh, then I realize uh, that uh, yeah, I was quite engaged with the with the subject. So I started my PhD on uh, optimization and uh, modeling for energy systems and energy markets. So this was the start. It was just, uh, yeah, because he was there and it was interesting because the statisticians, I always said we are a tool and uh, we work in many, many sectors and I end up in energy, but it really engaged me and it's been almost 20 years now, so. <laughs> Uh-huh. Excellent. Well, it, right. I mean, this is why I love energy is just because it's so practical, right? It has the everyday impact, but then we all have our different niches and expertise that we can apply to, to the energy sector. Yeah, indeed. In fact, it was one of the I mean, powerful things I found. It was like my background was super useful in the energy side. So it was, I was not engineer. I was not, uh, let's say, uh, energy person at that time, but the background I had was useful and that was one of the main uh, yeah, main uh, aspects that I I found yeah, interesting for following up on the on this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested because you were uh, inspired and brought into this field by a professor and yes. then now you're a professor <laughs> as well as I. Right. And we see this impact we have on our students and their careers as well. I was just wondering, maybe uh, how, how do you, because you had that experience, how, how do you deal with your students and those students that are really interested in, in energy? Well, in fact, I have uh, brought many of them to my research group. So <laughs> I think I do this again <laughs> all the time. Uh, as I said, I'm, well, I, I teach in different, uh, I teach also to the engineers and the, and the energy engineers. But uh, when I'm not teaching to them, when I'm on the computer side, uh, computer science side or on the statistics and data science, which is the name now, side, I try to to inspire them, not not only by energy for sure, in my case is energy, but also other uh, different subjects that the ones that they, they kind of foresee and, uh, and to see how the uh, 
how building up teams with different background, how interdisciplinar uh, teams work uh, is, uh, I would say, the most powerful tool that we have right now for, for forcing all the, the challenges that we have in front of us. So, and, and I try to, to make them understand that even that they typically at the first moment do not differentiate between megawatt and megawatt tower <laughs> do not differentiate between power and energy which is always the joke i i i do uh they can do things and their knowledge is is important and uh, they can improve how things are being doing in other sectors and this is something that i think is important mm -hmm. and um these skills of working in a multidisciplinary team this is uh one thing's I, I've learned yeah, through experience as well. Sometimes it's difficult to work with people with different, we could say, educational background or educational focus. And how do you, maybe, maybe there's not a good answer to this, but how, how do you work in, the, in these multidisciplinary teams to communicate with each other? Maybe that would be a best way to ask. Yeah, it's super difficult. Uh, my, I mean, I typically, my team, uh, my research team, and now in, in Bamboo also, uh, we typically merge people from the uh, math side, so mathematicians, statistics, uh, data science, and those those with the engineers, poor engineers, even I mean, electric engineers, energy engineers, and the as you said, the background at the end makes us think in a different way when we face a problem. And uh, the first months working together, there should be this misunderstanding all the time because it's like. You are not going to do the things like I'm saying we have to do it. And, and it's only a matter of, of how we have been there to face the problem. So it's a different way of thinking, let's say. So I always said that this is the beginning and it always happened. So it's very, it's very difficult that I find a mathematician that joins the group and everything is smooth and nice at the beginning. <laughs> or, or, the, or the other way around. I mean, it's not uh, a maths people think. It's uh, when, when, you, when you get into these kind of groups. Now I have a, a girl that comes from the social science and political side for regulation issues and so on. And, and it's the same. So we, we deal with the problems in a different way. Uh, so I think this is only a matter of communication communication, a matter of patience. So at the end, you, you will converge and you will know how the other works and how you can help the others or join forces. And obviously, it's a matter of interest. So there is people that won't work on this framework. So I have realized also with the, with the years that even that you make it easy, there is people that cannot uh, or is not able to adapt themselves to work with other profiles that are super different to them. And they are more comfortable working in, in areas that are specifically on their, let's say, way of thinking and, and doing things and so on. And that's okay. Uh, it's, it's not a problem. But there are other people that can adapt themselves and, and then you, you build up these strong teams. Uh-huh. I think that's an excellent way to put it. Not both in, yeah, there are people that can do this, but also recognizing there's people that can't do this. Yeah, yeah, and, I think that there is. I mean, or, or I mean, probably they they are able to, but they don't want to. So it's it's also it's also a decision, uh, and they do not feel or, or they do not feel comfortable uh, with with this uh, situation. And I have feel it myself. So I have feel sometimes 
persons that were not comfortable discussing some super specific things with a statistician. It was like, okay, I was a statistician 20 years ago, but now I have been working on this for several years. So I have more or less the same knowledge or the same kind of yeah, uh, information to, to make the decision as well as you. But uh, sometimes we are kind of marked by uh, yeah, some labels, right? And uh, it's difficult to, to avoid them. Uh-huh. And is this skill, this awareness, you have this great awareness, I think, of, of yeah, what people can do professionally in these teams. Does, how does that translate into bamboo energy? Because here it, it's, you know, hiring and firing yes. and trying to work with people is really essential, even more, much more than academia. We kind of get by, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Who, who's ever around. We, we, we have to learn to live with them. But but if you have your own company, you're the founder and chief technology officer. How How does this play into it? I've tried to bring my lessons learned here. So, uh, and try to, yeah, when building up the team. So the first year and a half, we have devoted most of time to build up a small team for, let's say, building up the product in an industrial way. We have a result of the research, which was not the software that we must put in place. And uh, I, I've tried to, yeah, bring these lessons learned when, when uh, finding or trying to find the, the right people for joining Bamboo. I must say that it's very difficult right now for a technological startup to to hire people because at the end is a high competition in cities like Barcelona or others. Uh, there are many opportunities for them. So at the end, you have to engage them. And here, for instance, energy is a good high because uh, if you find people that is computer computer scientists, no, it's a, uh, but also they uh, they somehow feel that they need to do something and that this is an opportunity for bringing their knowledge to, I mean, energy transition, climate change, or wherever, you can find this engagement, let's say, this 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 uh, added value for the uh, position that you have offered, uh, different than the others, let's say. And I have kind of used this. Uh, and at the end, what I have emphasized a lot is that uh, we are not just programming code, uh, but we are working, as I said, with other people that are working on data science and thinking how to forecast data and how to use it. And uh, we also, in, in our side, work with commercial people, right? And we have to explain them <laughs> what we are doing because they have to sell it. So, yeah, it's been a challenge, a different challenge. Uh-huh. And w- would we classify Bamboo Energy as a startup or, or is yes. it beyond that? Okay. It's a, uh-huh. Well, it's a spin-off uh-huh. of the research center and it's a startup right now. Yeah. Okay. And actually, maybe maybe we could talk about that. It was how did you get it to the point where it was able to be spun off? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that must be a fact, long story. Yeah. <laughs> I will I will try to short it. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> no, the idea, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny thing because... Uh, I'm a researcher and I'm a, I, that as, as, as I'm not an institution, a pure one, I'm a pure researcher. So a technical one, applied one, but a researcher. And then uh, it was almost three years ago. There are, there are some programs that uh, try to go to the research centers and identify the technology that is being developed to see if it's uh, 
well, potentially transfer to the industry. So it's, yeah, they can try to find these unicorns, right? Yes. Uh, and there is one program here in Barcelona that is uh, built up by the Mobile World Congress and uh, the Mobile World Capital, which is the investors from uh, this Congress. And they do this. So they, well, go around the research centers in Europe and uh, check the technologies that are being developed. And uh, let's try to see if there is something. And they identify Bamboo of one opportunity. So that was, let's say, the, the seed, the beginning. But at that time, I always say, I don't want to make a company. I don't want to make an enterprise. I mean, I'm not interested in that. So we started the, uh, there is kind of uh, six months of uh, training and uh, exploring business case, exploring business model and see if there is something there or not. And uh, during these six months, then I somehow get engaged again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, It's funny because people that know me said, okay, you always are like, uh, you have the necessity of learning all the time and you are now learning a lot on uh, entrepreneurship in that, that moment. So is that what have like, gather you <laughs> and probably it's true so uh when we finished this six months the decision was made and uh we were going to build up the start and uh and that's it yeah uh-huh. so you you got to this point where in the six months you learned about how to do a company what was what was that type of training yeah so what they do is you have a product right you have or or even an idea because uh there are some of the other colleagues that they had there that they only have the idea in my case, I have um, the software developed, what kind of developed. And uh, and then what they do is that you have to bring this, you have to think how to bring this really to a, to a business. Okay? So you have to build up, at the end, you, build, you end with a, with a business model of your product and with a kind of yeah, trip or, or the, a decision. So what you are going to do, okay, I'm going to found or not a company, or you are going to transfer the technology to a company that is already working or whatever. And uh, and then you always pitch and do those things and then decide if they invest on you or not. Okay. So I pass also this, uh, this second filter. Uh, I was one of the selected uh, companies there. Uh, but also Inno Energy, which is a investor for European Commission. Well, it's a public-private mm-hmm. investor, uh, European one. Uh, they were also interested on Bamboo, and at the end, well, we reached the agreement with there, and, and they were the, the first uh, investors of of Bamboo. But you end up with this, yeah, business model. So it's you already have the idea on how to sell it to who you must sell it, uh, which is yeah the structure you must build up on your company. What do you need? What resources you need? And, and all those things that you don't know before. Uh-huh. So so you were, I mean, I could use the word cautious, but you were a bit reluctant. And yeah. I mean, you, you, you learned the process and then you got the confidence through this process. And then it, it didn't seem such a big risk going forward then. Is that right? Well, it is. Uh, <laughs> it, it is a big, a big risk yes. because at the end, you know, uh, you stop what you are doing uh, most of the time, even that uh, you combine them. But uh, at some time, uh, on the beginning, it absorbs your energy at uh, 100%. Uh, the other things you do, let's say, by, by uh, business as usual, <laughs> but your energy is super focused because it's everything new. And, uh, and there is a risk. I was, I was at, at some point, I was afraid that uh, my group, or my uh, activities or my teaching or whatever suffers from this uh, other uh, activity. 
luckily I have a, a great team with me. It was not myself alone. Uh, I went with two other colleagues that uh, I would say not help me, but when we are a team, we work together. And uh, and obviously that, that makes, let's say, things work. Uh, but there is, at the end, there is a risk. But uh, well, somehow I, I, I love risks, so it's not <laughs> it's not an issue. It sounds perfect. It sounds it sounds like it's it had built up over time, right? And you developed the software, yeah. And and then this was like the next natural step. Yeah, to take. it was. Yeah, in uh-huh. fact, the idea was. I mean, for me, as as researcher, is the best thing that can happen is that you have done something for almost uh, six years. And uh, and suddenly this is going to work in the real world, and it's going to really make things change. This is, I mean, in a personal feeling, it's wonderful. So you feel super good because typically you do many things that end up in a in a closet, right? And uh, and having this feeling of trying to bring them to really the and, and not by selling them to the utility <laughs> that you typically do but doing yourself uh for me it's i mean it's an amazing way of doing it i don't know if i will repeat this again <laughs> but uh uh it's being an opportunity for, for for having these feelings of doing research that is uh yeah being used let's say no, it's excellent. And actually, I realized we haven't actually explained what bamboo does. But, yeah. but let's, I have I have one more one more question before we, we get there. And this was actually, uh, yeah, the question is, how is it different from research? So you, you've established, yeah, maybe I'll just leave it that. How is it different doing the startup from, from the actual just research process itself? Well, for me, it's kind of funny. When I started this uh, training, uh, the best thing I understand is that when I, when, when I was doing research, I want to do it perfect. And I want to do it, let's say, uh, one step forward, right? And uh, the best that was in place and and, uh, and doing everything that the software can do. Okay, so it was, yeah, uh, I was, this, this software was developed in European projects. And uh, I always want to cover all use cases, all technologies, all things, all protocols. All, okay. Then when I started Bamboo, first thing was, okay, learning what is an MVP, so minimum viable product. It was like, okay, you have to minimize what you have done to the minimum thing that you can sell. And this minimum thing is the one that should work perfectly. And this was a, a disruption for me because it was like... Uh, Letting behind a lot of things interesting and amazing that I have done that were not useful because the industry didn't want them because it was like it is for five years or, or, or in two, three, five years, it would be useful, but not now. And, uh, and you have to focus in, in a small and a specific thing. So that was was first uh, shocking thing. And the next one I would say that is uh, even that my research is applied one, I work with the industry, and I always have design and, and thought on my algorithms and my, my, my developments in an applied way, it was research. So if it doesn't work, let's say nothing happens. Obviously it happened, but you can, you can deal with it, right? Now it should work. It should work well because someone is paying you on their business for, for having this software there. And also on the other side, you have bring these people to the uh, to this adventure and we are eight now and wow. you have like kind of responsibility even that I have my group right but 
uh, is different responsibility that you have here. Uh, so yes, yeah, selling is something more important than uh, before. And uh, as I said, having something that works and interests the industry now is, I would say, the key thing and the key different thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excellent. And maybe we should actually <laughs> now discuss what what it what is, is that, right? that bamboo energy <laughs> does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, bamboo energy is, as I said, <laughs> sometimes it's a software, right? Uh, so what? What I would, let, let's start from, from, from uh, the past. So what I do is uh, algorithms for energy management, uh, optimal energy management. So all based on optimization, artificial intelligence and mathematical models for what I say, novel energy systems. So how these uh, other things that we are introducing in the classical energy systems should work. At one point, as I said now, seven years ago, uh, we started to discuss what the aggregator was and uh, what an aggreg- ag- aggregator for the demand side should work. What do they need? What, uh, how do they perform? How do they participate in energy markets? So this was a discussion, like philosophical discussion or designing discussion. Uh, from this, I take it to, to my knowledge. And then I started to develop these algorithms that I thought that the aggregator will need. So it's okay. If I'm thinking of an aggregator, uh, what do I need for perform my activity? And that was the development that I did, and it ends up in a set of uh, algorithms that builds up the platform, which is Bamboo, that is able to uh, <coughs> forecast the flexibility of my demand for tomorrow. So I have a set of assets of demand, consumption, okay, or selves, buildings. Uh, industry, so all the consumers, Bamboo is able to forecast the flexibility. And what is the flexibility? Flexibility of the demand at the end is their ability to change their consumption profile. So I always put like an example that is quite easy to understand that I'm now in the in the campus, right? And there is a temperature that is, I don't know, 23 degrees or whatever. If I change it one degree more or less, probably 90% of the people won't notice this. But what what will certainly notice it is the smart meter. So the smart meter will, cha- will change. And this is what I take advantage for. This is the flexibility. So this kind of changes on our consumption that we can do without affecting the comfort, without affecting the industry uh, production, for instance, and that we can offer them to the energy system. So Bamboo, what is able to is to forecast this flexibility to build up the bidding that should be done to the flexibility markets that are nowadays open around Europe and also in Spain. And then during the day, when I receive uh, a signal from the TSO nowadays or from the DSO in the next future, so the distribution system from the system itself, then I know how to send the signal to the devices. So I know how to say the battery, hey, uh, stop charging or start discharging, or I downgrade the temperature, or I switch off a fridge that I know that can switch off for one hour and it won't happen nothing to the the food that is inside, for instance, some, some examples. And this is what Bamboo said, Bamboo do. And 
what our idea is that we want to to be a technology. So we want to be the technology that enables any company to become an aggregator. So any company that has, I don't know, energy service companies, retailers. So those companies that already have the the assets, already have the the uh, the consumers, bring these consumers really to the center of the energy system, and enables them to uh, participate and take benefit from the energy markets through their flexibility. And uh, those companies typically don't know how to do this. So the idea of Bamboo is being this technology that enables them to do this new business, uh, let's say, in a kind of, uh, with minimum investment, because at the end it's on software as a system, so or platform as a system, as a service, sorry. So uh, it's with low investment, uh, you can yeah bring this <coughs> opportunity to your customers. I think this is so great, Christina. I have so many <laughs> questions because because this is really the heart of what the smart energy system basically. Mm-hmm. The, this this can I call it a software? Is yes. that the right term to yes. use? Okay, so the software sitting right at the the, the middle and controlling communicating, not just controlling but communicating between what the the supply side and the demand side and your essentially the yeah the software provider for other companies that would go out and sell this service yep. is that the, the description yeah it depends i mean mm-hmm. the way of implementing it depends on the customer at the end okay we can somehow uh join forces with the hardware side and uh go together with the uh, i don't know uh inverters still in our or uh self-consumption solutions or um starting point solutions or whatever because they want to aggregate their assets let's say uh, or uh, we have now for instance some customers that are retailers that typically retailers are energy traders so they do not deal with the electricity this is something that people do not realize but the retailers typically they only deal with money not with the electricity itself even that they are an energy company <laughs> and uh, and doing this new activity they have to deal with with the electricity itself and they do not know how so yeah build i mean putting this software in place helps them to do these other things that they are not used to uh, these retailers then would be i mean it depends on the market but traditionally the distribution companies but not commercialization companies yeah optimization companies because the uh, the oh. distribution companies typically regulated ones uh, in most of the countries. So we move to the uh, to the ones that commercialize the energy. Yeah, so that okay. sells it to the to the end user. Okay, to the end user. And yeah. th- those are the companies that are able to play with, I don't know, time of day pricing yes. or hedging, this, this type of yes. activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so my, oh, and the other side of this uh, would be, uh, like a virtual power plant too. Yes, is this that is, uh-huh, but what? on the consumption side, is this mm-hmm. is this definition? So virtual power plant typically is what we have done on the generation side, and uh, now we should move the idea and uh, and everything to the consumption side. Yep, to the demand side. Mm-hmm. And on this demand side, then uh, how difficult? Because this seems, in my interpretation, impossible. But so this is why I'm glad that. You- you're working on this is communicating with the different devices like refrigerators, mm-hmm. batteries, you know, whatever can be the load shifted a bit and communicated with. How difficult is it to to write the software and to develop the systems for this communication? Yeah, at the end, it depends on the uh, 
on this obviously on the size and on the situation so if we nowadays no we can focus on uh industry small even small but industry then tertiary buildings offices hospitals uh campus i don't know schools wherever and then households right so it's like these three three areas if we start from households it's super difficult okay here you have to go hand by hand with uh as i said with this hardware uh, manufacturer that is already installing these smart meters these uh smart devices that can be easily uh managed okay because if if not i mean at the end it's super disaggregated so uh it's difficult to foresee even that there are there are companies that are doing this in europe i mean with great success success uh it's difficult okay um now this is kind of being so i don't know if solved is the world but um uh, faced through the energy communities so if we start on thinking that these households or these small end users are joined on an energy community then suddenly things kind of are easier okay and also are easier for the energy system because we don't have to forget that there are many people as me that believe that the demand should be in the center but we haven't done this traditionally so at the end you will have this uh, kind of on other side so tra uh, transmission system operator energy market uh, all these agents that uh, see this as a problem not as a solution because it's kind of wow it's super disaggregated it's super difficult to join them to to engage them to bring them here to make them understand what they have to do so it's like okay better we avoid this and we don't make trouble but i mean i'm super convinced that we are not able to uh to meet the the challenges that we have in front of us for 2030 or 2050 without the demand, which is, is is impossible. I mean, it's it's not putting in place more renewable. This is not only the solution. So we should do it, but it's difficult for sure. When we mm -hmm. move to the other two, let's say, two sectors that I've said, uh, industry or tertiary building, this is easier because these have been on the last years, uh, let's say, that they have learned about energy efficiency they have learned that they should somehow invest on doing thing doing things better also now we have this high prices on electricity yeah. which always help on that on this at least um, good, good for some businesses yes. yeah yes. well not really because people is quite afraid for investing in anything but um. but at the end they make for me it's important that i've been in the I, i've been in the tv or the radio more in the last uh, four or five months than in my life and it's not because i'm better it's because nowadays everyone is talking about energy prices and that's good because at the end we need something to make people realize that they have to do something well if it's energy prices welcome i mean at the end what i need is that this guy on the old industry uh realizes that she should or he should invest on energy efficiency and energy managing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I want to go back to the comment about putting demand at the center. What, yes. do, what do you mean by that? Can we explore that? Yeah, because typically the demand is a passive thing, right? We are passive consumers. The demand is there. If you think on the energy models, traditional energy models, the demand was a data, was information that was there, but nothing has to be done 
here. It's like, okay, it will be 30, 30, okay? Will be 25, 25, okay? But it's like something that is there, inactive. So it's it's there and that's it. And we focus a lot on the grids, smart grids. Uh, we should make smart grids. We have been working, on, and I have been working on this for many years, even more smart and more, and, and we also focus on the generation, renewables, more renewables and changing generation and asking how to manage it and how to, in, in, uh, who in, well, uh, incorporate it to the grid and so on, so on, so on. But no one's really focused on the demand side. And it's one half of all this we are talking about. Yes. And uh, for me, putting them on the center is really taking care of which is the role that the demand should have and how we teach the demand or how we do this, this uh, process so that they may realize that they should be active consumers. They should realize when they consume energy, from where, which energy, at which price, obviously, but and that they are an active part of those energy transition. Because if the only thing that we hear about energy transition is avoiding CO2 by means of renewables, or, I mean, at the end, the consumer think, okay, then I, I still do it myself, whatever I want. And it's not the way. So, But on the other side, they need to see the benefits. So for me, being in the center is not only, hey, you should do energy efficiency, you should save energy. Hey, there is no gas or whatever, then, Shut up, shut down your uh, your uh, heating uh, or your houses. Okay, I mean, okay, but perfect. No, I, I also want the benefits. So, the generation side has benefits for for balancing the grid for years. So why I'm not taking advantage of these benefits? So I, when I say in the center, is obviously for the responsibilities, but also for the benefits. So, I should sell my flexibility and I should get money. For it because I'm changing my behavior for you for the energy system so pay me and this is something that we have also to learn as as consumers and it's funny because when you go as I go as bamboo to different industries here in Spain or wherever and I say to them hey but I'm not only take it, talking about saving money by saving energy which also <laughs> but I'm talking about getting money getting paid for what you do and it's like oh okay that's interesting <laughs> uh-huh. so the industry is very open to this well to this i wouldn't say very open i would say okay. they can be interested <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do, do you think um maybe this is a bit out of where we're talking and your expertise but for example ets emission credit systems uh for, for industry itself do you think this is prompting them and the increasing price that they have to pay for emissions do you think this is prompting them into this more demand side management um yeah area i would say that the good thing is that all those policies and um yeah frameworks that are being put in place uh have bring them to this uh energy awareness so they know have this, uh, yeah, they don't have the energy on the management board, okay? And this is the big change. And not only energy companies. I mean, not all companies, obviously, but those energy-intensive companies, they have now the energy on the, on the table all the time. So that makes easy, obviously, that the, the going 
there, even as researcher of us or a startup or whatever, but knowing them as a to 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 involve them in this in this new in this new business, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my follow-up questions are areas that I don't understand, <laughs> so you're gonna have to okay. help me here. But I, I'm I, really, I, I, I want to kind of get into like how does the software work, and you don't have to give away any secrets. But but okay. how how how, for example, modeling like you're you're attempting to model the the behavior yes. being yeah looking forward even to the user behavior, and then you can take the data from from the market itself and see how the for example, time of day pricing will affect that. How, what kind of data do you need and, and how does that work? Yeah, so we are not, I mean, we are, uh, I think people in the energy sector sometimes is not aware of the huge amount of data that we have and that we do not use a lot. Uh, and that was something that they realized uh, some years ago and uh, that was what I use. So at the end we have... Uh, on bamboo, what do we use? We use meteo data, so information about the weather itself, obviously, market prices data, CO2 data. Okay, so this is, let's say, the public side one or the uh, system one. And then on the other side, we use the data from our distributed assets. So that might uh, be, for the worst case scenario, only the smart meter information, okay, for the best uh, one, we have even behind the meter information. So, for instance, temperatures inside the building or battery uh, state of uh, charge or the uh, when we deal with uh, charging points, uh, the uh, car state of charge or whatever. So, it depends on what we have, the best would or algorithms perform. And this is something that we explain to our customers. So, uh, what if you have, uh, let's say, biggest amount of data, it will all perform better because we have more information. So how the algorithms work at the end is combining all this data and depending on the asset that we are managing for sure, so if we have buildings or batteries or electric vehicles or whatever, uh, what we know how to do is to forecast uh, based on historical data and through uh, artificial intelligence algorithms, and, and those algorithms change depending on the asset that we have in front of us, uh, we are able to foresee the behavior of this asset for the next 24 hours. Okay, And within this uh, forecasting, we also have learned how we can estimate the flexibility that this asset can have. Obviously, if we are talking, for instance, on an industry, this is, I would say, almost 100% fixed by the customer because the customer is the one that would say, hey, you can stop this on these times or these, or you can, uh, I don't know, uh, when I was talking about the fridge, right? You can uh, yeah, shut, out, shut, out the, shut down the, the fridge for, I don't know, 20 minutes or one hour or whatever, but between this hour and this hour, or my production can be moved because this hour and this hour or whatever. So on the industry side, I would say that the uncertainty is lower because uh, it's super determined by the business, the business itself. But we move, for instance, to a hospital, to a campus, to a, or to households. Uh, then it's the idea is that it's kind of automatic that I can uh, foresee and forecast your behavior and your flexibility, and then play with it, or play or trade with it. 
Yes. And how, how, how difficult, and maybe it is difficult, but, but uh, forecasting human behavior is essentially what you're, yep. you're doing then, partly. Uh, how, how do you do that? How, how <laughs> difficult is that? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not, I mean, it's, it's, there are many people in Europe dealing with this. Uh, and um, I think that everyone will agree on uh, when we talk on tertiary buildings, it's pretty easy. Uh, they are pretty, uh, let's say, if, if you know the calendar, it's pretty easy to forecast, obviously with a, with a small uh, forecasting error for sure. Uh, but it's pretty easy to forecast the behavior of this uh, of these uh, yeah buildings, okay? Or what is about offices? Uh, I would say yeah, tertiary hospitals, schools, uh, commercial buildings, all these kind of things is uh, yeah, it's pretty easy to forecast it for tomorrow. When we move to households, the uh, forecasting error is quite high. And the most important thing is not the forecasting error because uh, typically if if you're forecasting for tomorrow, for instance, uh, and it behaves quite different from yesterday, it is a small error, let's say. The point is that where it disappears. <laughs> it was like, okay, why you don't say me that you're going on holidays, <laughs> for instance. Oh, yeah, yes. yes. So it's going to zero. It was like, okay, shit. <laughs> because there is a big <laughs> forecasting error. Because, yeah, it's like, okay, I count on your flexibility for tomorrow and you are not at home. <laughs> so yes. that would, I would say that this is uh, the most difficult part. And I have, I have talk a lot with many people that is dealing with this. The good point is when you aggregate it. So at the end, I don't really need to know what my neighbor is doing tomorrow, but what, I don't know, 1,000 houses in this neighborhood are doing. And we compensate one with the other at the end. So when you aggregate everything, it's easier to forecast it than when you go, let's say, super specific to one. Oh, okay. So this gets back to your point and then I wanted to follow up was energy communities, actually. Yes. So, and I know the EU is making a big push on energy yep. communities and different countries as well. So maybe you could speak to the, yeah, the importance of energy communities within, within your, yeah, within these um, parameters for your company. Yeah. So I would say that the energy communities, uh, I think that would be the tool now that will help us to involve all these small end users. Because being part of something is uh, something that is tangible, right? So you feel it and you somehow have, I don't know, a shared PV, a shared photovoltaic, right? A shared uh, renewable there in place that you're sharing with the neighbors and you somehow make these energy savings and then you see how everything is going. I think that this is really an easy way, or well, easy is not easy, but an easier way of uh, involving them in all those systems than one per one. Okay. So mm-hmm. from this side is is super interesting. And, and also what I have felt is that from the... Um, market operators and the grid operators, it's also easier to accept the small demand side because they have accepted the big one. And also it's interesting from them, but not the small one. But accepting this small one through the energy communities is also easier. It's like, okay, you're telling me that I can 
focus on the meter of the community somehow yeah yeah, and yeah. For, for having this uh yeah so and and then they see okay then that could be interesting for me so it's from the two sides that i think that we are we are is a win-win situation um from the consumer side because being part of something that is already doing things is easier and is already from the first minute giving benefits is easier and from the other side from the system side it's also easier to think that they are dealing with a community okay come on and not with all small end users mm-hmm. yeah they need things at scale so the the profits yeah. are there yeah mm-hmm. Rather than individual households, okay. And I just we we have a few minutes left, but I just want to maybe talk about the research side of things mm-hmm. and and the data. I I would just maybe ask you kind of expand on on your uh, research center and and what what you're doing there and, and what people are doing. What as I understand from the internet, it's really this both hardware and software yes. integration. And yes. you, if you could expand on it, I'd, sure. I'd appreciate it. As I said. Uh... What, I mean, bamboo is a result of that. So what we do is uh, similar things <laughs> that, that bamboo. We have experience on, on optimization. What I, what I learned was, okay, there is a huge amount of data. I know how to do optimization algorithms. So I, I know how to do management algorithms, but we are not using this amount of data that we have there and things will work better. And that was like the mainstream of building up the group uh, I would say some years ago, and uh, and we continue doing this. So the idea is, okay, we have information. How we use it to make these new energy systems work better? Okay, and specifically, for instance, uh, we work on energy communities, but thinking inside the energy community. So how we distribute this renewable source that we have installed them? How we distribute if there is about the battery? So the usage of the battery. Um, and how we forecast the things inside the community and how we manage it. This is a, a, a challenge that we have in front of us. We have worked a lot on electric vehicle integration. So we have a great experience on vehicle to grid. And, um, and now we are working, and we are working also with the European Commission, with the Joint Research Center on thinking uh, how we should, let's say, build up or how we, we analyze the impact that uh, greatest uh, penetration of these technologies would cause on the local energy systems. Because at, if, if we go to a transmission level, to a country level, probably has no uh, impact there. But if we move to the, uh, to the field, to, to the local uh, distribution grids, then we should analyze how it will work and how it will perform there. So we are working on this for the public side. So, so for, uh, as I said, governments and so on, but also for some of the companies that are building up these solutions. We have industrial contracts with them to showing them how to optimally manage this technology there and integrating with other devices that might be on place. Because for instance, typically you have a a PB installed and then you install the e-parking, right? The parking for the electric vehicles and that's it. And you let it there you are not taking all the benefit that you can have. So the idea is to integrate everything and operate them in a coordinated way so that I take advantage. And we have shown that this increase, for instance, uh, we have demonstrated uh, 
yeah, some a year ago more or less, that combine, com, combining this can uh, increase the renewable usage, so the, your own renewable usage, almost 15%. And obviously, you can reduce to the energy bill because you are using more renewables that you are producing and so on. So the idea is combine, uh, making up algorithms or software that combine the integration of the different uh, devices. And now, obviously, we are working with new energy vectors, new uh, energy solutions to see the same, to see how we should model them, how we can manage them, and how we integrate them with the with the devices that we have. For instance, uh, there is a project we are working that they are uh, building up new uh, heat pump solutions. And uh, the idea is that, okay, then when I put this heat pump in place, uh, it's not only how the heat pump itself has obviously has a, this uh, management itself, the, the machine itself, the hardware, but also integrated in all the building system or the or the energy system. Uh, we we should manage it, let's say, in a coordinated way. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more of a well, in one sense, more a geographic focus. I mean, everything's a bit of geographic <laughs> focus, but this is a very micro geographic focus. Yeah, it's at the end, it's microgrids mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, so for example, if I have an electric car and I yep. pulled into a neighborhood and I was like, oh, I need some more electricity here. <laughs> I, I plug it in. It would actually, the electricity would come from a solar panel nearby yes. maybe. Yep. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we should do. Right. Because uh, for instance, we had a, a funny thing uh, that many public buildings have invested in PVs in and installing PVs, but there are some of them, for instance, libraries and others that open on the afternoon. And it was like, okay, I have a huge amount of PV that is not being used, or at least by me or yes. no one near me. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and it's also okay. What if we have? What if we install the battery? What happened? Uh, which is the, the the return of investment, right? So I have to pay the yeah. battery, but when I have, let's say. Uh, having it covered by the, the cost that I have had. Uh, can I share this PV with my neighbors? And if I share it, how do they pay me or how do we manage this share of, of renewables? Yeah, this is the things that we try to deal with. Uh-huh. Excellent. Okay, I won't get into that, um, <laughs> but that would probably maybe be blockchain technology and, there and other are, things. but not only, uh-huh. yeah. Not only the interesting <laughs> thing we ha- we are exploring this now. Blockchain has been thought for and uh, again for uh, for uh, money, so for economic transactions, and we are working on energy transactions. So uh, it's how we combine them, and we are doing this also in Bamboo. We are trying to use uh, there was a platform in place of blockchain. We are trying to use the same technology for sending energy signals, so for activating and disactivating energy things. Uh, because at the end, we we cannot install several technologies there, right? So it's we yeah. should combine forces. So, so you start getting credits as energy, like you could have extra energy, a deficit of energy. And you can years. somehow use the same secure uh, information for sending the energy signal to the battery, for instance. Yeah. Wow. That's... 
Oh, that's great. Christina, <laughs> okay, for the sake of time, we'll, we'll stop our conversation there. But I'm definitely looking forward to, well, hopefully meeting you in person someday and, and <laughs> sure. having a part two. So, okay, Christina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for invitation. And uh, yeah, looking forward to meet you sometime for sure.